The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here to continue with our second episode of affordable UFAs this offseason for the Ravens. And that affordable tag almost has to come with air quotes because the Ravens will make very few moves, uh, we both think, this offseason. Join me to do this show again is Josh Reed. Josh, how you doing? I'm doing great, Ken. Um, I would say I'm looking forward to free agency, but I don't anticipate uh, being very busy as far as writing up any signings like it was last year with the Marcus Williams and everything. Yeah, so a lot of signings last year. No no comp picks this year, which is unfortunate. The Ravens could could use some additional selections. Obviously, they may get them by trading back, but uh, uh, this may be a year where they start to pile up some, some uh, comp picks again. I think they're likely – the guys that are most likely to sign a free agency are the guys who are going to be still around after the draft when they won't count against the compact formula. Yeah. Yeah. I, I said, I see, I wouldn't say nothing but second, third and fourth wave guys, but I think that that'll be the talent pool the Ravens will be picking from um, either post draft or maybe you might see a signing or two of like some familiar guys that we'll get, in, that we'll get into here shortly that I wouldn't mind um, them, them picking back up or, you know, uh, but I, I do anticipate them being more busy post than uh, pre-draft. Yeah. All right. So we've got a lot of players with some warts who the Ravens may have a chance to some warts or some, some age scars on them. They uh, both of them, but uh, let's talk about the two pricey guys right away. Cause there are obviously a fair number of guys who the Ravens would like to have, but they're probably just out of their price range. Talk about a few of those guys. Uh, do you want to start with corners or, or edge first? We can start with corners. I got my um, list of four corners they can't possibly afford. Uh, yeah, I mean, we can start at the top of the market with some of the guys like uh, – like uh, uh, the, who's the Patriots guy? I forget his name off the top of my Jonathan head. Jonathan Jones? Jonathan Jones, yeah. And um, well, people should be wary about the whole Patriot cornerback. Paying, paying, paying the Patriots top cornerback has rarely panned out for other teams. I mean, if you look at recent history, J.C. Jackson went to, went to – uh, went to the chargers and, you know, he was banged up out, but even before then he was getting burnt like toast and even Malcolm Butler departed, like, you know, his best years were in new England out of that system. And the dude, you know, he's, he's just a guy. So, um, you know, if, if people would actually pay attention to the trend of new England, number one quarters going out and breaking and making free agency, they'd know that those guys often aren't worth the money that they're getting paid. Stephon Gilmore being an exception, but he didn't start his career in new England. You know, he was a guy that really actually wanted to pay, but then let go. Um, so, as far as they get, Jonathan Jones is a, is a no go. Uh, I think the Jamel Dean is another mm-hmm. guy is supposed to get no like, way. <laughs> yeah, like no way supposed to get like sixteen million a year. I even saw on on Spell Track that a guy like Eli Apple, the notorious Eli Apple, is is, is supposed to garner a, a annual average salary of eleven point six million dollars. I don't see how. I, I really, I, I have no idea how. Dude, That's Sports it's, Track it's, or Sports Center. What? Who, who gave you uh, that? Spell Track. Yes. Yeah, that's, spot, that's, spot rack. Spot rack. My man. My bad. Spot rack.com, Yeah. A spot rack, not sport track. 
Okay. It's okay. It's, it's a, uh, I, I don't trust that valuation. I don't think Eli Apple comes near that. So yeah, I, we'll, yeah, we'll yeah. I mean, even even then, I, I, I still wouldn't I still wouldn't do it. Um, another guy who, uh, who's who's gotten a lot of hype, but he's, got, he's clearly over the hill. A guy like Patrick Peterson um, for the, uh, you know, coming off of his year with the Minnesota Vikings, um, even though he had like five interceptions, you know, some of those, if you actually watched the game, some of those were kind of just like overthrows, tip balls kind of thing. Like it wasn't really it wasn't even really like a right place at the right time kind of thing. It was more just like, oh, he kind of got lucky in, the, in the, the, the balls tipped or overthrown there. And he's clearly over the hill. He's nowhere near the same guy he was um, in Arizona. OK, well, I I've, Peterson is my maybe he falls into the right guy range. And we'll talk about him when we get to that. But let's let's go through the rest of the corners that they're I mean, I wouldn't in. I wouldn't mind him as a, as the QB as, as a CB, two. It's just like he's the kind of guy that would sign like a one year deal. Oh, sure. And, you know, yeah. And the Ravens are, are you know, if they're going to sign a, a veteran guy, they, they'd rather sign him to at least a two year deal to kind of massage that cap hit. So why, why I don't think he'll he'll garner, you know, top money, especially that they were near double double figures. As far as like you know, ten plus million, I do think you know one year six point four million is what he's projected to get on 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 spot rack is still a little too rich for the Ravens, but uh, it'll be an incentive laden deal wherever he goes. And I honestly think he's at the age since we're talking about him now. Let's talk about him now, where there's going to be very few teams that want to sign him to a two year deal. And it's not just the fact that he's that he's thirty three right now, and you know it's not thirty three in September or something. He's thirty three now. Um, it's it's the fact that when you get a player that old, particularly a good one, and you know they might retire after only one year, it becomes harder to structure that as a two-year deal. I remember we had all of those consecutive times that Ed Reed and and Mason was the other guy who signed a bunch of two-year extensions to to stay on, and then it ended up being a one-year deal, and then it's got to be re-extended, you know, kind of thing. Yonda had the same thing at the end of his career. I mean, it, don't really begrudge those guys those deals, but on the other hand, I I don't want to. I don't want to pay, you know, a spread a two-year amount, which Ravens might have to do anyway. I'd rather just have an incentive-laden deal that pushes some money into next year, yeah, otherwise, yeah. but has no commitment to to it. Yeah, they could get him like a Justin Houston kind of thing with, like I said, like I said, incentive-laden deal, and um, you know, he's kind of like in that ring chasing mode because at this point in his career, you know, he's, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say he's a lot to make the Hall of Fame or a first ballot, but he's got a bunch of Pro Bowls, a bunch of All Pros, all that kind of stuff. He might just be in that ring chasing mode, and um, he might not want to go back to Minnesota. He sees that Darius Smith already wants out of Minnesota. He made he made the wrong bet going back, going picking the wrong purple team last off season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. Let's say let's talk about some of the other guys. Though. James Bradbury, a guy the Ravens could have had last year, maybe by trade, uh, but they it would have been a big commitment to Bradbury last year. The Ravens didn't really want to you know commit that kind of capital to him. So I understand that they're not going to get him this year. He just had a great year. Uh, Cam Sutton is another guy who's been playing very well for Pittsburgh for years now. Uh, a guy who would fit their need a lot because he's got a lot of slot corner play in his career. But uh, honestly, just at the at the price tag, I, he's a no for me. Yeah, yeah. Like he was a he was a like, like when I when I saw his number on uh, on, on spot rack, they were saying he was projected to give like seven point two million, and I was like, Ugh, that's still a lot. I mean, yeah, he he really fit and allowed Marlon to do his Marlon thing on the outside, but at, at, at that number, I just don't know. Um, a, a, a guy will I guess I'll, we'll, I'll wait till we get into the guys who like uh, another guys we like at that position. But um, as far as other guys, there's like a group of. There's a group of, of second round corners from 2019 that are hitting their open market and Sean Murphy, Bunting, Rocky Asin and uh, and Byron Murphy, who, while they're not household names because they're young at a, at a premium position, those guys are already projected to garner at, at, at minimum like $10 million on uh, average. All three salary. of those guys? Because because I mean Murphy Bunting, I, he's on my list. He's he's a young guy, so that could that could certainly drive up his price. But he's definitely on my might be about right list and. I'd be excited to get him, but then I'd I may be excited have to too. He has great ball skills. I loved him at, at, at uh, it was like Minnesota where he where he uh, or Central it was it Minnesota Central Michigan he came out of. Um, can't remember exactly, but he's um is just like I said he was he was like when I was when I was compiling my list from my from my article I was just like oh man you know Sean Murphy Bunting I mean, he's not a household name but then you look at the age and the position, uh, man that might drive his drop his price because. Uh, corners. I mean, just look what happened with Shaquille Griffin a couple, a couple, a couple years ago. You know, the guy goes out. He was the average corner in Seattle and gets a, f- a three-year, forty-five million-dollar deal from the Jaguars. And it's always going to be a team with need that with teams with money to burn and need at premium positions. They're going to overpay for um for for young talent like that. So 
Um, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I like Murphy Bunting. Um, he's like one of my favorite under the radar guys, but I think he might be a little too um, pricey when it's all said and done. Well, that that could be honestly, but the, but I think he's he's probably on the Ravens list somewhere because he's got that ideal outside corner size. Uh, the Ravens, you know, honestly, their need right now is at outside corner. They'll be able to find a slot corner somehow, even if it's sticking with Kyle Hamilton, which I think it would be a perfectly reasonable option at this point. Uh, then they might have to get a, a safety, by the way. But Bunting is also a potential one-year prove-it guy. Uh, he's he, he might be a guy that, that nobody's really willing to make a big commitment to because I don't think he's played all that many snaps in his career. And it, it could be a guy that I may be wrong about that. I may be confusing him with somebody else. But if he does sign a one-year prove-it deal, um, you know, the Ravens could be could be a team. And and he's a perfect guy in terms of if he has a big year with the Ravens, he could go sign elsewhere and and you know generate a comp pick even. So yeah, I, I definitely think he's he's worthy of it. It's just like I know he's 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 shown he has ball like you know those those that uh, ball production skills and that that kind of stuff usually gets you paid even if it is on a on a on a more expensive flyer than the Ravens can afford. Okay. All right. Well, could be. Um, I, I, you mentioned Rock Gassin. He's definitely on my my list of might be about right guys. Uh, I think he is. Uh, he's more likely to get paid than Murphy Bunting is to me. I think that that you know he's uh, just has a little more of a resume at this point. Um, I, I think you know you, you you tell me in terms of what you think about it. There's a bunch of other broken guys at corner if we're if we're just going to do it this way right now. But uh, I got one other guy I like that I don't know if you have said yet. Um, I, I I do like Rocky Center. I like him. I like him coming out of uh, there was a Temple um, back in twenty back in twenty nine back in twenty nineteen. But um, yeah, he's he's a guy that you know has, has shown enough to where I think he's going to get paid um, pretty pretty decently. And just like I said, the Ravens are still currently over the cap right now, so I don't I don't know how they fit a guy like that unless you like have a super low cap number in year one. But that stuff usually balloons faster than teams would like it to in years two and three if you sign him to like a three year deal. Right. He's, I, I would agree. I think he's going to get a multi-year deal. Um, he, he hasn't been an every down player yet, meaning he's missed time um, in in each of these seasons or not been the guy each one of these seasons, whether it's been last year at Las Vegas or the previous three at Indianapolis. Always been a pretty good player, never a great player in terms of his coverage skills. But last year was his best year and passer rating against was 82 and a half for the year. That's good. Certainly, you, I, you know, prototype kind of size for the position at 60190. Uh, just I'm, I'm not sure all the pieces are there, but somebody probably will value him more than the Ravens. Uh, if he's if he somehow becomes a, a non valued commodity, though, I'd love for the Ravens to take a flyer on him because he does, I think, address their needs pretty directly. They don't need to have the number one corner, obviously, on their team. That role is is taken. They would love to have a younger guy at the position right now, though, and I think it is the position the Ravens are most likely to address in the draft. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like we we talked about on previous pods, um, I definitely think either court they're going corner or receiver in the first round this year. Whichever position they don't take in the first, they're taking in the in the third mm-hmm. if they don't accumulate more picks by trading back or maybe possibly even trading up. So. Where are you on on uh, you know looking at all these external options? And I've got one more guy for the slot I really like. But but looking at the, all the external options on the outside, where are you on resigning Marcus Peters? Because he looks pretty attractive compared to a lot of these other choices. Yeah, and I feel like the you know that's the, the Ravens' best option. I feel like Marcus wants to stay in Baltimore too. From everything that we've heard from in, inside and outside of the building, um, you know he really wants to stay in Baltimore. And I feel like if, if they could get, like they could possibly even get him on a more team friendly deal, I wouldn't be surprised if he took a cheaper deal to stay in Baltimore. Like if it was like I'm not talking about like a five million dollar difference on average annual salary, but you know if it was like a, you know two one or two million dollars less, I feel like he would he would sacrifice that to to, to stay with the Ravens. Is he ready for a Jimmy Smith type of rotational deal where he goes, resides a number of years for three, three and a half million, maybe with some incentives laid on there for playing time as well? Or is is this too early for him? Because I think he's 29 right now. Or does he has he already turned 30? He's, he's right in that range right now. I think he'll be 30 for the, for the next season. So the question is, is, is he a guy? Yeah, last year was his age 29 season. Yeah, he's 30 years. He's 30 right, right now, now in January. So, yeah. It, it's an interesting question because it, it, it probably a player the Ravens send to the market and say, Hey, look, determine your price, but we're, we're crazy about you. We really like you. 
we'd love to have you back as a number two cornerback. You'd play every, you know, every, every play for us, but we wouldn't, we, we'd like to have you back on, under any circumstances, but if you're, if you can come back on the Jimmy Smith deal, uh, that'd be fantastic. I just don't think he's quite at that point yet. I think he's going to want to get paid one, one more time, maybe on a two year yeah. deal. Yeah. And um, yeah, spot spot rock has him at um, average annual salary of, of, of 9.8 million, which I, I think is still a little too rich for Ravens blood right now. But like I said, if he's willing to take a, 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 a team friendly deal, I just, I just feel like there are teams out there who, who feel like, you know, there are Marcus Peters away from being a, a title contender. You know, I could definitely see him going to another place and, and being their cornerback their two, or even the quarterback one, if they have a good, a good secondary around them. Okay, well, that's what they got to be. I mean, the team's got to be a, a one player away from winning the Super Bowl to make Marcus Peters really attractive. And and obviously, there's probably 18 teams that think they're in the position, and four of them probably actually are where they <laughs> where they might actually benefit from having Marcus Peters. And the Ravens might be in that group. Might be the group of four. Um, but they're but you know the Ravens certainly would consider themselves in the group of 18, and so would a lot of other teams that won't likely make the playoffs you know, this next year. So um, it, it, I'm interested to see what happens with Marcus in, in any case. He's been a great Raven for when he's been here, obviously in, in 19 and 20, he played very well and uh, really a shame that he lost the season after that. Yeah. Yeah. I think even the fact that he, you know, had a bit of a down year coming off of this thing is just this from what I've been hearing and, and reading that, you know, there are still a lot of people out in the league who are still high on Marcus Peters, what he brings from a veteran leadership standpoint, from a competitive standpoint, from still, yeah, he's still, he's still, the, you know, ball hawk, even though he didn't you know, rack up a bunch of interceptions last year, you know, he still has that, that, that turnover in, uh, ability and that knows for the ball. I'm going to give you my dark horse guy at corner. Um, and maybe you got one too, if, if, uh, but, but the guy I like for the slot for the Ravens is Danny Johnson coming over from the commanders. So he'll only be 28 in November and he really hasn't played that much. His, his total career snaps played is only 769 according to PFF, but he's, he has played so well when called upon at the end of last year that I think he's a very natural fit. You would address the Ravens slot needs very directly. Obviously a lot of that depends on what they decide they're doing with, uh, uh, with Kyle Hamilton, but passer rating against him this last year, only 66.2 and he played a career high 290. No second highest 292 snaps. So played quite well. So he's a guy that I think would be an ideal kind of guy for the Ravens to pick up in the slot. I think he come very cheap. Uh, I, and I could be wrong about that. Maybe it's two years, five million, two years, four million. But I think I don't. I don't think it'd be expensive. He's he's undersized, which is going to be the big knock against him. Uh, but that's what sh- that's you know that's the general build of a slot corner. And the Ravens have put themselves in kind of a good position of not needing an aircraft carrier. Well, they need an aircraft carrier, but they also need a slot corner. So they need both. So uh, that's that's a that'd be the positive there. Yeah, definitely. I've, I've noticed a trend because uh, a few years ago, slot corners were starting to get paid. You know, you had guys like Tavon Young and Justin Coleman and 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 Troy Hill, who I think is is affordable now, but wasn't a few years ago. And he's a guy, a guy Troy Hill, who I, I you know I, I have written down here in my notes is a guy I really like. Um, as, as far as like a slot guy, I got to keep Marlon on the outside. You know, he um, he had a he had a he had a decent season last year. Um, his first year back with the Rams after a one year stint with the Browns, and it's it's, it's funny. Nick, Nicky, what he got traded to the Browns and then traded back to the Rams, and um, you know, like guys like that. It's just like the, the slot corner market. It, it started to started to you know go up. And now I feel like it's starting to kind of come back down to where teams aren't putting as high of a value on slot corner as they as they were two three years ago. And um, you're starting to you're starting to see um, you know uh, you know outside guys get prioritized more, even though uh, you know guys with inside outside versatility are so valuable, but they're also hard to find. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I, I I agree, and I I think one of the things the Ravens found this last year was that you don't have to have you know, prototype slot characteristics to, to develop a valuable player in the slot. And they, they had Hamilton there who is a big slow guy, frankly, in the slot, he's made to play safety where his instincts, he can put them in play on where the quarterback's going. And that four, seven speed doesn't hurt you too much. Plays a lot faster than the speed, obviously, but you can't play a lot faster than your speed when you're playing in the slot. Uh, you, 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 you pretty much play at your speed and it's still very difficult to cover the guys who have that, incredible 
quick twitch and the uh, the ability to run that whip route. Uh, I, I, but what they got out of Hamilton was was extraordinary in terms of uh, you know a good tackler, a guy who played great downhill, got to got to the ball carrier quickly when the ball was in his area at all. I mean, just a whole bunch of really positive things. A good size to to threaten the quarterback throwing over him, uh, which is nice. Great ball skills too when the ball's tipped up in the air. So you get a lot out of having Kyle Hamilton in a short area zone. I think you could get more on the back end, but I think the Ravens are in a position kind of like they were with Humphrey for about three years in there where it it would, the Ravens may need Hamilton more in the slot than they need him on the back end. Yeah. I, I was still a little mad that he got his, his, uh... His lone, his lone interception of the season got negated by by penalty. I forgot who the penalty was on, but it was I know it was against the Saints. And um, you know, he's the guy that you know, I, I I love the role going uh, with Clark. You know, getting traded. I just you know I, I don't want him to fully transition into a you know strong safety only kind of guy just because I feel it kind of limits his role. And then the whole the whole appeal of Kyle Hamilton, you know, like you know coming out, it was he can do so many different things. So if you kind of put him in a box. Not literally, you know, down in the box that, you know, he does excel putting down in the box. But if you put him in the box as far as the, the confining and defining what he does and the impact he can have, I think it kind of like, you know, it kind of takes, takes a step back or it doesn't, you know, you maximize him to his full potential. Um, You know, I don't like him. I don't like him lining up against, you know, squirrely slot guys. I know I guess the Steelers, Nick was like with that, that Sims receiver, got him a couple times for, for, for mm-hmm. big games down the seam. So you never want him on those squirrely Julian Edelman types. But, you know, if, it, if it's like a power slot kind of receiver, a big body receiver, oh, yeah, I, I believe that Kyle Hamilton could lock him up real good. Yeah, 12 personnel, another ideal spot for Hamilton to be in there, uh, guarding the tight end, obviously. And that's everybody makes it sound like all they can do is 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 guard a tight end. That's so far from the truth. Hamilton does so much for you when he's on the field in terms of just being a short zone player. I mean, he's he's a great if if he played the Anthony Levine dime role, he'd be great at that just because he has great instincts. He reads the quarterback very well. Uh, you know, good size, always a problem there for for uh, uh, quarterbacks. Just uh, there's so much to like about what he does. Uh, I, I I don't want to I don't want to pigeonhole him either. But on the other hand, the Ravens' strength is that they've got three guys who can play free safety, and Hamilton is the one I'm not I'm actually the least sure about being able to play good free safety in the NFL. I'm sure I'm I'm absolutely sure, obviously, about Marcus Williams, and I'm pretty damn sure about Geno Stone at this point. In terms yeah, of what after watching what Gino did yeah. last year in place of Marcus of Marcus Williams, I mean, like so he didn't have the big, huge bash plays. But if the fact that you're not calling his name regularly in a bad way is 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 a, is a great thing. I mean, like so he didn't have those splash interceptions. I mean, shit, the the the, the rate that Marcus Williams was picking off passes to start the year, nobody. I thought keep he was going to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know he was. Gonna, I wasn't. I know he was going to keep up with it, but I thought he was going to give. Uh, What's what's uh, Stephon Diggs by the Trayvon Diggs? I thought he's gonna give him a run for his money there for a little bit as far as um, you know uh, both interceptions and all that. But um, I, I really like what G- what Gino showed. Um, just covering space, you know, taking away throws in the back end, and just like showing that. The Ra- I mean, man, I'm just I'm, I'm glad that the Ravens, you know, like the, yeah, they still have to tender him. Like, I I wouldn't be surprised if they put a, a fairly high round tender on him just to ensure that another team that enticed to try to sign him to an offer sheet. I mean, the ideal situation right now in, in, in terms of how I would think about it is just go ahead and sign him long term right now. Uh, Stone would be a guy that I would offer a three year deal to. I don't think it has to be out of this ball, out of this world because I don't think there's a, I don't think he's got a ton of suitors. I think so he fits the Ravens well. But if they figured out, you know, a way to pay him three years, eight million, minimize the cap hit for 23 kind of thing. That'd be great. It might not get him that quite that cheap, but. Yeah, no, sign, sign me up for that. And um, like you know, sometimes with with, with guys like a guy that I guess we're, we're going to get into here um, shortly, you know, you, the Ravens will have guys that you know are really good and and as spot starters and as as quality depth pieces that eventually want to branch out and, and go elsewhere because they feel like they can start in this league. Um, but like a, you can find a guy that like, like a Levine who appreciates and values being in that niche role. Then that that'd be perfect. I mean, and I think Gino pride himself on special teams too. So you know, like, like I know I, I even I even saw something written. I've even wrote about myself about him, like really kind of like uh, want to take over the mantle of the whole co cap thing and be that um, be that special teams ace that Anthony Levine was. So if they could get him on a like Anthony Levine like contract, that'd be great. Yeah, I mean, well, I, I, that would be super cheap and it would be great. I think he he's going to command more than that right now. I think. 
um, just because there's there's enough yeah, teams I mean, that, that I mean, like lengthwise, not not the compensation wise. I think he's gonna get paid more than Anthony Levine, but yeah, as far as like keeping him around on these two three year deals, um, I'd, I'd love that. Yeah, no, me too. Okay, so are we done with corners? Do you have anybody else you want to mention here before we move on to the edge guys? Uh, one guy I wouldn't mind um, the Ravens bringing back, and I feel like would be very inex- very inexpensive and kind of a, I wouldn't say a match made in heaven, but makes pretty much sense for where he's at in his career and their need. A guy like Anthony Aver, bringing bringing Double A back, um, I I wouldn't mind that at all. Um, you know, a lot of people, ourselves included, um, thought he was going to garner a lot more than he did uh, in, uh, in free agency last year. He ended up only signing a one year deal, kind of one year proof deal with the with the Las Vegas Raiders for one year, four million, and ended up only playing seven games and was, got placed on IR twice. So he's a guy coming off a down year, coming off an injury plagued year. Um, and, you know, could, could be looking to, you know, re, reboost his, you know, build up his stock again. And unlike in 2020, coming into 2021, when he was slated to be the third corner behind Marcus and and, um, and Marlon before Marcus went down, he got his first extended opportunity. He'll come in, you know, as, I mean, barring, you know, an addition in the draft that you know, beats him out because Ravens aren't in, the position, aren't in the business of just giving jobs away, you know, but he'd come in with, as a favorite to, to, to be quarterback, cornerback too, opposite of Marlon Humphrey. So he's a guy that I feel like would be very inexpensive. He probably could be signed for, he probably could be signed, honestly, Ken, after the year that he had, I would say even when he was on the field, he wasn't all that great, but he only played seven games. They might be able to get him cheaper than than the one year, four million that he signed last year, but they might be able to get him for like a one year, two, 2.2.2. Lace some incentives, vet men yep. plus incentives possibly. It, and it, exactly. That's coming that's off the of, ballpark. Coming off a seven game season, it's really easy to put in NLTVE money not likely to be earned money because you're you're you you have to relate it to last year's accomplishments and that's that wouldn't be too hard in his case uh, additional snaps additional games whatever it might be but that uh i i think he's a he's a reasonable he'd be a reasonable one to go go out and get um let's let's move over i guess to the to the edge guys if you're good now and and i didn't you could you talk about whoever you want in terms of additional linebackers let's just do that at the end uh, positions other than edge but I've got a, a set of two pricey guys at edge, but let's hear yours first and I'll, I'll try chime in with any additional, I think it's just out of the Ravens price range. Um, I don't think they're going after a guy like a, like, like a Bud Dupree or some of these other um, high, high price guys um, off top. I don't think they're going to go after the Jadavion Clowney. I don't, I don't think he's mm-hmm. on their radar, even, even though he shouldn't, I mean, he's a great edge setter, but I mean, and even then, he wasn't even a great edge setter in Cleveland too, too much. Like he, he had built up a reputation of being a great edge setter in Houston and even a little bit in Seattle. But like with, with, with the Browns, I mean, they've had one of the worst run defenses in, in, in NFL history the past the past few seasons. And he's been a um you know a regular starter for them. So he's he's another guy that I don't I don't think they'd be after. Um let me pull up my list here. Um and some guys that you know who are who are rotational guys are expected to not necessarily break the bank, but earn hefty salaries this offseason more than the Ravens can afford. Guys like Arden Key and yeah. um, Sam- Samson Ebucom are guys who are going to garner anywhere between seven point seven million per spot uh, spot rack. They're supposed to. Oh, uh, Ebucom is, is projected to get uh, get seven point seven million annually, and uh, Key is like about eleven point three, which are you know, price tags the Ravens can't afford. Yeah, Keys Keys he's certainly going to get that. He's a good two way defender. I think he'll he'll get really paid this offseason. So I think he's out of the Ravens group. Actually, Ebukam is one of the guys that if they were looking at a at a two-year deal, I'm not so sure the Ravens would be completely out of that. Um he's he's been very consistent. Four and a half to five sacks every year the last four. Yeah. Um he he plays a lot of snaps. So his pressure rate is not really as good as his sack total would tell you. Um, he did drop to cover a lot in his early years. So when I look at that, I say, well, maybe this is a guy the Ravens would turn back into some Sam responsibilities because of, you know, what he's done in the past. He hasn't recently, by the way, he hasn't, he hasn't done too much coverage, but you never know. Um, and you know, maybe they could find a two-year deal to minimize cost in 23 and he, and he'd be the guy, but he, he'd be on the outside of the affordability range, no doubt about it. And he's a, he's, he's definitely a tough one, kind of like Patrick Peterson in terms of getting a guy who uh, I think honestly at 28 with what he's done, people do think we know who Samson Ebicam is. And with all these consecutive four and a half to five sack years, now four in a row, uh, are, are, is anybody going to be really that excited about him? And I think if, if you're going to, 
you can go out and get one of these ancient edge setters. We're going to talk about them who probably have more potential on the upside than, than Ebicam does. Ebicam, what he mainly does for you is eat snaps. So if you don't, if you have a lot of your snaps accounted for, the Ravens have a fair number accounted for, but they do need one more player. Um, he, he's he's probably a little bit less valuable in that situation. Yeah, so he's he's a guy that I've had my eye on for a while, and had to spend this time last year. I definitely think you know he he'd be a Raven a guy he'd be an ideal candidate for the Ravens to to target just because they like those rotational guys and having a nice stable of of, of rushers. I mean, look what they had with them midway through the season this last year. They had too many rushers to knew what to do with. Um, but he's a yeah he's he's a guy that I just think he'll he's like right on the right on the fringe on the outside of what the what the Ravens are able to afford and willing to spend. Um, but um, except him and except, but some other um, rotational guys that I do like that I feel like you know the Ravens could afford a guy like uh, Charles Menehu from from the 49ers. He's he's a he's a pass rusher that you know had four and a half a career high four and a half sacks last year. But except he doesn't he doesn't play. He's not an every down defender. I, think, I, don't, I don't think he started like more than like five or six games for the for the Niners last year. I think I got the I got it written down on my notes. Yeah, I, I I have notes on Menehu too because you know obviously he played in Houston for for two and a half seasons before he went to uh, the, the 49ers. He did play in all the games. Um, his, his snap total for the season in terms of defense was 54%, which ain't bad. Okay. Um, he's actually played pretty well last year as a pass rusher. That is most of what he does. He's a situational pass rusher, not really a run defense guy. Um, the problem I have with it is that he's just really coming into his own as a player. Uh, and and I, I think you'd be buying high on what he did at age 26. Was he this last year? No, I'm sorry. He's, he's still he's, only he's 25, 25 right yeah. now. So think about, you know, when, when teams look at free agency, one of the big things they look at is if I sign this guy to a multi-year deal to a three or four year deal, is he going to produce throughout the entire contract? And I think with Omenahu, the answer could be yes for the, for the entire period. So I, I, I just, I don't think the Ravens will get him. I actually think he's probably out of the Ravens price range. Of the of the edges that are available, yeah, I was say he was like he was like a French guy for me. I just think he'd be closer to the range than a guy like Ebicom or Key would be. Um, like it's like I don't know who's paying Buku bucks for four and a half sacks, but given his age and the premium position that he plays, it could his price could definitely get get driven up. Yeah, but another another young dude that I do like and who's kind of I wouldn't say bounced around a bit. He's been on he's, he's just coming off his, his third different team. A guy like the Marcus Walker. Um, mm-hmm. uh, for uh, from the Titans, he quietly had seven and a half sacks for the Titans last year. His third team in um in the past in the past three years, he started his career with the Broncos, then played with the Texans, and um, last year with the Titans. And he's he's a guy that kind of in that same vein of rotational pass rusher that I, I think they'd be worth the flyer. Yeah, the the reason I really like Walker is that he's a two way player. He's a he's a guy. Um, I think he weighs about two eighty, and he, and he's tall. Uh, he's definitely a guy who can help you as a um, uh, both take run snaps and uh, pass snaps. So that'd be interesting. He'd probably b- bump inside uh, to, to play. The, the one thing, there's there's no real record in his career of dropping a cover, and you wouldn't figure at his size that he'd be able to do it no. very often. But but he's played for two different 4-3 teams in Denver and Tennessee that wouldn't have any need for that. So it's it he he wouldn't he wouldn't really have had a had an opportunity to do very much and he hasn't but uh, but he doesn't you know he he doesn't meet a Sam need for the Ravens so if he's just on the rush side then he's got a lot of competition with the Ravens. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details for snaps because this is 
this is going to be the year for Oway to take off with Chuck Smith in the house. I mean, that is Chuck Smith, his entire future as a coach will be determined by what happens with, with uh, Adafi Oway. Man, can we just can we just take a second to just kind of like I know everybody's kind of geeking over the coaching staff that the that the Panthers put together, but the Ravens have like quietly and like under like I know Lamar has dominated the headlines, but the coaching staff that they are, that that they put together an investment that they're making in the development of their players this offseason is amazing. I mean, it's, it's like, like you know, for the like the third year in a row, you're getting getting the non-traditional on you know you got a uh, coach. You get started with Keith Williams, he was the wide receiver guru. We're talking about a guy who's helped develop the likes of Tyree Kill and Devontae Adams, and then you go out and get a guy who's worked with with Hall of Fame players and Von Miller and, and Aaron Donald, who's, who's who has two decades of of, of, of past risk consultation uh, with various different teams, including the Jets and the Bengals. And it's like, man, I just feel like he's. Oh man, I, I'm I'm so excited for the for the for the uh, potential of Owe. I think Peter King was was one year too early on Adafi Owe Defensive Player of the Year hype because well two two years yeah. no, no 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 you're right it no, was yeah, his second well, year yeah, one, this one yeah. yeah yeah one year too early um, because man I, I, oh, once Chuck gets hands on on Owe it's, I feel like sky's the limit man if anybody can if anybody can refine him it's 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 Doctor Rush. Yes, I I agree and I'm I'm very excited about the about what they've done coaching wise as well. I mean I, honestly. The Williams signing did not do a whole lot for the Ravens wide receivers, but you could point to Devin Duvernay and say he took a step forward. It's just, it's hard for me to really say that the Ravens passing game with, with the combination of Martin and Williams, which was supposed to, you know, really bring a lot to the game, really took the, took the Ravens to a different level in terms of their passing game. And you could point to injuries, you put the non-investment, the position you could point to Greg Roman, you can point to a lot of things, but you know, James Prochet fell flat on his face, literally on the field a number of times this year, but, but he, 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 he didn't have a, good, yes. he didn't have a good year. And, uh, and uh, you know, I, I just, the Ravens passing game was, was not what it, could have been and uh and those guys are are I, I think they're kind of getting a pass on this Keith Williams is he back actually well so yeah he's he's still on the staff it's just um I don't think they've changed his role I know he was up for the uh, for the wide receivers um coach job he was one of the guys who, who, who was in the running but um we ended up going to Greg Lewis who was an outside candidate but uh I suppose for what I what I've heard and and, and what I've been keeping track of he's still on the staff same same with James Urban he's still on the staff too they're just going to be shifting into different assistant roles now that you know well I, I don't know maybe because Williams is still listed as the pass game specialist or pass game coordinator for for the offense so I'm not sure what they look like under under Todd Monk and if he'd want to have somebody else take over that role or just have Williams is just like a, a different off, like well, I don't want to say quality control coach, but like a, like the next step up from that. Okay, so T T, T Martin changed roles, and he's the quarterbacks coach now, or is he something else? No, he's the quarterbacks coach now. So T okay, Martin so, has taken over James Urban's role. And so it sounds coach. like Keith Williams is moving into the pass game coordinator role that T Martin had last year. So that no, that, uh, no T T uh, Williams was was the passing coordinator, and uh, William and 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 Martin was just the uh, the wide receivers coach. Okay, I, I'll take your word for it. I'm, that's not my recollection of it. I thought that Williams had the more specific top of the route role, and that T Martin was more about the connection between the quarterback and the wide receiver. And when when you when you two years ago when I was at camp and I watched them at practice, T Martin watched the release off the line of scrimmage. And Keith Williams was always watching the break coming out of the top of the route, which I really think of as being wide receiver coaching. Of course, that the line of scrimmage is important too. Don't get me wrong. The release is critical. But that wiggle at the top of the route and breaking into whatever route you're doing is what Keith Williams really seemed to be specializing in. So I, you, you're probably right because you, you, you definitely – and I, I don't normally get too caught up in titles. I just thought this was kind of like both of them were moving up one this coming year with T Martin moving to quarterbacks coach. If, if, if Keith is uh, moving past game coordinator, but anyway, I, I'll, I'll take your word for it. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll leave it at that. Uh, I, I want to talk about some of the pass rush guys. Mm-hmm. Um, one guy that I think is out of the, out of the Ravens price range, but really had a bad year this last year is Marcus Davenport. And his, his year last year, we had a half a sack the whole season kind of reminds me of that year that Zadarius Smith turned in, or you can, you can look at, Adafi Owe's senior year at Penn State, or not senior year, it's junior year at Penn State, I guess it was. 
where he still had a pretty good year. It still, you know, generated a fair amount of pressure, but he just couldn't finish. Yeah, I I feel like even though, even though he like that he had a low sack total, the fact that this guy is a former first round pick and he's had success in the past, I feel like somebody's gonna over overpay the hell out of him, and um he's gonna be he's gonna be one of those first wave guys that's gonna it's gonna get it's gonna get um I wouldn't say a big you know record setting contract, but he's gonna get mid tier to possibly even top of the market depending on who, who who how desperate a team is um and willing to bet on his potential, right. All right, got another guy that I think could be interesting, and he's he's been reasonably durable. He's injured for a few few games in 2020, but Rasheem Green, uh, coming out of Seattle and then Houston last year, um, maybe a one year prove it guy, and could be a, a Chuck Green protege. But the guy is is huge, and he's a good kick inside guy for uh, uh, for the for the pass rush. You can use him outside, uh, not really your prototypical three, four outside linebacker, but probably can play in that role and definitely a kick inside guy on, on third down if you want him there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, three and a half sacks isn't, isn't bad. And I know on, on um, pro football reference, they haven't listed as a defensive tackle, but he's definitely one of those inside outside guys, you know, at, at six, four, two seventy nine, um, you could definitely put him out there on the edge and he can set an edge as well as rush the passer. So he's, he's a guy that, you know, would probably could be very, very, very much affordable. Um, uh, a couple of guys, I'm not, uh, are we gonna, you want to talk about Justin Houston as far as, cause yeah, I, um, go ahead. Go ahead. I was, I was going to say, um, Houston, um, given this, the resurgence season that he had, you'd think that he priced himself out of Baltimore's price range, but Given that you know he's these past two years he's waited until damn near training camp or the start of training camp you know to to I wouldn't say commit to but to come back to come back to playing and and to, to resume his, his, his stuff again unless the te- unless the team blows him out of the water like a prime contender you know outside of the Ravens blows him out of the water with an offer I feel like he might go that route again and what that what allows the Ravens to do is what one you know potentially clear up more cap space hopefully with long term deal with Lamar um, or maybe possibly even some other restructures address the position in the draft. And then, um, like I said, didn't see where your cap space is come, come, uh, late, late June or early July, or sorry, late July, early, early August. In terms of the draft, let me, let me start there because there's a lot to unpack in what you just said. I, I think if the Ravens go edge in the draft, it's, it's probably likely they will do it, but they'd be looking at a developmental player where they're not expecting to get a lot necessarily in 2023. So, you know, obviously players can develop much quicker than you can expect, or they can be slower. But with pass rushers, it tends to be slower more often than it's quicker, particularly once you get outside about the first first round. And sometimes, I mean, look at the Ravens' second round guys, Kamala Correa and Bronson Kafusi and uh, Upshaw and guys like that. I mean, they just, they, they haven't typically worked out uh, uh, quickly. Paul Kruger, uh, who did work out, took time to work out. You know, so so I think that if if they're going to go with a later round pick. And I think, you know, they're already some pretty good bet on the exacta for the first and third round pick is going to be cornerback and wide receiver in some combination. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we're talking about no higher than a fourth round pick. Then, you know, maybe they get lucky and they get a Zedaria Smith and Zedaria Smith wasn't, you know, didn't produce right away either for the Ravens. Uh, So he could, you know, you, but you could end up with a good long-term player uh, maybe they get lucky and they get a Matthew Judon, but again, a, a guy who doesn't necessarily produce right away in his rookie season. Uh, I just think they're going to have to be realistic about about what they get in a later round. Um, and I'd still like them to go for more of a pure pass rusher because I think that's the harder thing to find. Um, just looking through this, these, some of the guys they can afford in this free agency group, there's a lot of pretty decent two-way defenders like Walker, um, uh, who, who really fits into that category. and. Uh, the other guy we just talked about, Rasheem Green. Rasheem Green, yeah, yeah. Um, another, another, another guy I like, um, and he's, he's probably definitely on the radar given he's a cap casualty. It's a guy like Marcus Marcus Golden. You know, I could see him. I could see him put, possibly being what's it the next Justin Houston, but you know, guy who's ready for a down year. Um, it's you know not gonna, I'll, I'll, yeah, yeah, not gonna just Justin Houston signed after the. He's not going to count against the comp pick formula because Justin Houston was was a post post June signing, but Marcus Golden is a is a salary cap casualty, so he can sign at any time, and and and, and they could um, have him. He's but he's coming off a two sack season, but the year prior to that he had eleven sacks, so it's kind yeah. of like one of those 
uh, buy low, you know, potentially, you know, cash out, cash out high kind of situations. And he's, you know, he's not, he's actually not that old. Like when, like when like the, he's been in the league since 2015, but yeah, exactly. 32 this year, not exactly quite over the hill, still a very productive player. Um, You know, could still be a mentor to some of the young, younger rushers, still set the edge, you know, uh, decently. But um, what he brings as a potential pass rusher um, for, for the low price that he's probably going to go for, I think is well worth um, an investment if, if, if they're up for that or if they, if not, if they don't want to wait around for Houston. He, he'd be in the in a large group of players that uh, is a vetman guy to me. Uh, if 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 Marcus Golden wanted to come to Baltimore and finish his career here with two consecutive vetman years, great. If if he wants more than that, uh, uh-uh, I'm out. I, I I'm not even sure I can I, I could try, but I'm not even sure I could structure a good incentive laden deal. You I mean, hey, you could always work out something where he earns about three and a half million on the top end kind of thing if he if he reaches a certain sack total, but. Combination of factors with Golden, I think, is 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 more of a down arrow than it is for Houston, who's older, uh, and I still feel like has more left in the tank probably than than Marcus Golden. I, yeah, I have a I, bunch. I mean, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Houston's definitely my you know my my favorite as far as like you know as, like, of the two, but I just I think that at, at his at where he's his stage in his career, Golden is. And given his age, and like I said, coming off that down year, I feel like he could probably be one of the most affordable guys. Like I agree with you as far as being a vet man or barely above that kind of dude. I've got seven guys that I think are bargain bin edges, and I didn't have Marcus Golden in the list. So, so I'll, I'll tell you my seven, and and you can you can chip away on these if if chip away at these if you want. Um, Carlos Dunlap, thirty four, still reasonably well balanced run and pass defender. Uh, if he came here, he'd be taking the JPP role. I don't think there's a big demand for his services, but we'll see. Incredibly, he's 100 sacks now in his career. One, 100 yep. exactly. One ahead of uh, uh, Clayus Campbell. The Ravens love the bigger players like this. Does not exactly fit the 3-4 outside linebacker role, but he also is a guy you can kick inside on um, pass plays. Obviously, he'd be playing the rush in. And you know, a, a guy who certifiably can control a tackle in terms of of holding down the run game. Yeah, I mean, he's a dude that gives the Ravens headaches for years playing with playing with the Bengals. And like I said, his length, his legs, his length and the way he uses is still very impressive. You know, still coming off a decent year last year with, with four sacks um, for 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 the Chiefs. And he's a, he's a guy definitely like that. I had I have my list of you know potential like I said bargain bargain Ben dudes who wouldn't command top dollar, but um, could provide you know some really I'm gonna say really high upside, but pretty solid upside. He's also a guy who the Chiefs might want back, and and he might really want to finish his career in Kansas City because hey, he's already got that deal in a way. If he's if he's talking about maximizing his ring chance with, uh, you know what what uh, what he's got. If I do kind of feel like he's a player, if he's playing on the Ravens, that he would probably get some more interesting opportunities to rush the passer with scheme than he has in his years at Cincinnati, for example, where he was a lot of a plain vanilla four-man rush and still quite effective, don't get me wrong, but he didn't get as many opportunities with his length to do some stunting and and do some things that would really be effective there. So um, he, he's a guy I'd probably like a little bit more. I'll, I'll, give, you, I'll give you another name. is Shaq Lawson, 29, solid two-edge defender, kicks inside on passing downs, another guy who fits that kind of that mold coming out of a 4-3. Uh, what do you think about him? Yeah, I've, I've I've been a fan of Shaq Lawson since he was at Clemson. Um, you know, he's never quite lived up to the hype. You know, he had coming into the league, um, but like I just feel like he's I feel like he was always going to be a a solid a solid dude. Never going to be that elite at at you know at top tier edge rusher, but he was going to be a guy that get you a handful of sacks every year, set the hell out of a run, a guy you can you can kick inside and run stunts and games with. All right, other uh, another five I've got still. Melvin Ingram is still around, and he seems like yep, he's, he's on the list, on the list every year. So he's again bargain basement guy. Two guys the Ravens had last year, of course, Jason Pierre-Paul. I, I the Ravens used him so effectively as an edge defender on running downs. As long as he's willing to do that and still get some pass rush downs, but a lot of those are going to come from the inside. I think he's he could be quite valuable. The Ravens There's several batted balls this last year. Just I thought had a pretty good year. I know PFF didn't grade him well. Um, he kept showing up in my notes as making good plays. So I uh, I probably like him a lot more than PFF does. No, I, I love JPP too, man. And I think he, because he didn't have a gaudy year as far as like stack totals, whenever an ad dresser, especially a veteran guy, is kind of over the hill, 
doesn't have a, a big to moderate, you know, sack season, they're 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 always going to be a bargain bin guy where they could be had for yeah. right around the vet mem if if you know if barely above that. So he's a guy that you know the Ravens probably you know wait up wait the. I mean, he's a guy that's probably going to still be around. You know, in the in, in spring, spring and, and uh, early summertime. So I don't, there's a rush on signing JPP. No, I think he's in a rush to sign with anybody. He's kind of like in that stage of his career. Like, hey, you need an edge setter. You need an edge setter. You know, yeah. like I feel special a little bit. Yeah, I, he's and he could finish his career with the Ravens on two more vet men deals. I wouldn't. It wouldn't shock me if that's the way it worked out for him. And if he if he is on the team, he'd be a high favorite to get caught. He's one of these guys who brings you flexibility in the roster and building that. You've got Brent Urban already on the team, who I think that will happen to again. But it, it always helps to have your team with two or three or four of those veteran guys that make complete sense to cut and return. And and he certainly would would fall into that category. Yeah, I don't even think at this point in his career he'd be one of those bottom of the ticker guys where Ravens cut Jason Pierre Paul. It would just be in that list of of cuts. <laughs> You're a general cut list guy now. That's good. Uh, the the uh, Justin Houston, of course, uh, he he could command a few dollars. Uh, you, know, you mentioned earlier you think he's gonna he he might not be worth very much. Obviously. Sands running low in the hourglass for him, but he had a great year last year. A lot of it was as a complimentary pass rusher, which is a good thing that the Ravens were able to make use of that, but not necessarily something that people are going to look at and say, wow, he's just beaten his beaten his opposing man every single time. He did a very good job of of getting some high motor finish him sacks after somebody else started the pressure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's yeah, there were there were times where he beat guys, you know, clean off the edge, slower slower tackles out of their stands. But like I said, a lot of it was high motor and you know, like late late in the play kind of kind of sacks. And he's one of those guys that he's the stage of the career where, or less is more. You know, so you get the the the, the fewer snaps he plays, the more effective he can be. And we saw that when um you know like during that stretch was like from like the. I had like 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 two or two or more sacks, like three straight games, broke yep. Terrell Suggs, Suggs record, and um yeah, so like that's the kind of guy that I would love to have back as a rotational pass rusher, and you know let, let guys like you know like Owe and 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 Ojabo let those guys eat you know you know consistently, but you know you know when you come in on those NASCAR packages or you know just to get the spell guy like Owe who probably gonna be playing a lot on on early downs, you know given that you know is is good is a uh, his play as a as a run defender. I love to see uh, Justin used to come in on as a third down specialist. Yeah, I uh, and you know having one of the things we we haven't really talked about yet. Oa spent some time as a Sam linebacker last year. I don't see that happening again. I think this year in particular, third year really got to turn this into a value proposition. The the Oa pick, whether or not you you keep him around, you got to know what you have so that you make that fifth year option. I think he's probably going to get it at this point, but it's expensive at edge. So you got to be careful about it. And then whether or not you want to make this guy a, a foundation player, there's still a pretty good chance. Screwing around with his position is the easiest way to not know what you have at the end of three years. So I don't see, even though he's got the best athletic profile to go back to Sam linebacker and do some of what Tyus Bowser does. I don't think they'll do it. I think he's going to be a pure rush edge this year and it doesn't mean he won't drop the coverage a few times because the Ravens will run exotic back packages mm-hmm. and he'll drop anyway, but I don't think they're going to ask him to be regularly responsible for the tight end as the Sam often is. No, no, I think it's, it's great. I mean, like having a healthy ties Bowser cannot be any more understated in this, for this, for this defense, as far as what it allows Mike McDonald to do was from a, from a designing and place calling standpoint, and also what it allows his other outside linebackers to do as far as like letting those guys go eat. You know, having having Adafe in that exclusively, I won't take exclusively, but predominantly rushing role as the, as the rush as the rush linebacker. Um, I can't wait to see what he does. I mean, in this in this almost rush exclusively role with the with Doctor Rush, you know, coaching him up. I mean, I, I really feel like this guy's in store for the season that many project projected he'd have his, his in his Last second year. season yeah yeah, yeah they, they you know no one i guess people like peter king probably were not factoring in the fact that he was going to be forced into a position change by being the only guy who really matched the athletic profile and even the the ravens you know they had vince beagle around it looked like he might take some of that role um and, and make it a little easier but i'm with you in terms of adafi will still play a lot i i think 
I'd like to hold his snaps down to 65% because I think he'd be more effective that way. Um, but he could, he could play 60, 65% either way. The Ravens play a lot of rotation, so they're, they're, they're used to it. And if you do that, then you really need another guy who's going to play on the rush side and play um, relatively few snaps. And I think JPP is that guy. I think he's he makes a lot of sense to be that guy. And on the other side, uh, probably rushing off off the uh, um, uh, you have you have a Jabo who you have to figure out how to get in there. And I, I don't think we know how much a Jabo is going to play yet. By the way, I don't think he's going to be an every down player. I think he'll be a pass rush specialist somewhere. Okay, so some of it will come inside. Some of it will come on one edge. Some of it will come allowing Tyus Bowser to drop off the line of scrimmage, or maybe even line up inside. Uh, which he may then drop off the line of scrimmage from. But but Ajabo will have a variety of pass rush roles, I believe, for this Ravens team. Yeah, and they were they were even lining up always on inside some uh, late mm-hmm. in the season when he started becoming more effective. So I feel like having having multiple guys that can do that and take advantage of of, of those mismatches with with guards and sometimes even centers if they're lined up, you know, as that rover over the over over the center. Uh, I, I'd love to see that. Let me keep going on because I've got a couple more guys that I think would make sense. Uh, Carl Nassib is a guy who's been around the league for a long time, been in the news for other reasons. I, the the one I want to talk about is the is the financial advice he was giving in the Browns locker room, which was some of the funniest crap that has ever been. Was that the, was that the Browns or the Bucks? Was that the Browns or yeah. Bucks? He was. Doing I think that. he was with the. I think it was the Browns. It was, it was doing card knocks when he was doing the evaluations yeah. and all. You, yeah, that was all you have to do is get ten percent every year, and you'll double your money every seven years. How much money did you get in your signing bonus? And he was talking to Jadavian Clowney, I believe. At the oh, no, Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett. And, <laughs> Guys, yeah, you know, I got thirty million or something, and 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 uh, <laughs> well, look, in in you know, <laughs> in twenty eight years, you could have sixteen times that much. And then some offensive lineman came in the room and asked him, "Well, where can I get that ten percent return?" <laughs> One of the all time great questions, and and you know, Nassim's response was something like, "Well, you just have to invest it." <laughs> it's funny, funny stuff is all I can say. <laughs> Uh, anyway, Kyle Van Noy, another player. And if you want to address the oh, Sam, yeah. Sam, Sam linebacker, yeah. Sam all day. Yeah. He would make a lot of sense and, and reasonably priced fits the role. 32 years old. Wasn't terrible for the chargers last year. Um, you're basically buying on a fit guy. And, and, you know, if there, there'd be a lot of people who would see the move and say, what do we need this guy for? He's not a sack guy really anymore. And, and, uh, and the reason is because he can play Sam. And yeah. that's, that's what the Ravens really need. Yeah, the the Chargers were kind of forced to play him more than, than they wanted to last year because the Joey Bosa went down. So I felt like you know, he, like you know, given his you know, I mean, he was never a huge sack guy, but I felt like I've, I've always admired Kyle Vinoy's game um, and just like the multitude of ways that he was deployed in New England and then um, in in Detroit and then last year with uh, with with the Chargers. I I feel like they didn't really use him like in that that same role, but he'd be a great a great Sam guy. He was one of my Sam guys last year as far as potential fit with the Ravens to, um, with uh, with Tyus Bowser recovering from a torn Achilles. Probably be cheaper this year, so uh, you know much could, cheaper. Yeah, good uh, good chance the Ravens will take at least a look at him. And I think that's everybody on my bargain bin list. So it's a it's a fairly extensive list of edges who could give the Ravens a little something in some way. Um, if they need snaps eaten, they're those guys. If you need situational pass rushers, there's those guys. And if you need a uh, a snap eater on early downs, you got at least one or two of those guys. You've done lap and loss and really both fit that bill. And if you want a Sam, you got you got Van Noy. So Baskin Robbins over here, yeah, <laughs> thirty one really, flavors of pass rushers. <laughs> really is. You got a lot of a lot of choices at edge. So there are a couple guys I want the Ravens to stay away from that I think are are big problems. You want to talk about some guys in that in that category for for edge. Yeah, well, for anything really, I've got. Um, okay, I, I'll go through a, a few of my guys, and then you can just react to them as you go. Yannick Ngakwe is a guy, although he's could, could be a fine pass rusher. Just his history with the Ravens makes him a no for me. Yeah, no, same here. No, no, thanks. Deshaun Elliott is a guy that I actually would be excited about getting back, but the only way I want him back is if they can't extend Stone. I want them to expand Stone's role. He's just too good to be having the limited role that he has right now. So I think you know, he's got you got to at least get him on the field on dime snaps. Got to at least get him on the field on third down. Wh- whatever you do, he, he's got to be playing. Um, if 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 not, Deshaun Elliott coming back and being the Ravens' dime might be pretty damn good. 
Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't mind that at all. Like, like you know, like you know, he's, just, he's he's still a guy that's kind of struggled injury style in his career, but still a still a fan favorite. And um, yeah, I never, I never, I never thought he was the free safety type that they tried to get him to play. Um, a few times with, with with the Ravens, he's always kind of been a, the strong only kind of guy for me, just because of the, the downhill nature and aggressive nature that he plays with, and he's never really been a ball hawk. Um, another guy who I feel like would, would be a, a, a ideal fit in that dime role, uh, Tony Jefferson. You know, he's yeah. he's a guy that um even talked publicly about making that transition to a dime linebacker role full time, and he's a guy that that shined with. I mean, really, he was doing really good with the Ravens last pre was it was a preseason, yep. and um and he was I, I feel like if the Ravens could have kept all their safeties, they would have it was just he was the, it was a fact of a roster crunch and he figured he'd get more playing time with the Giants or a likelihood of getting elevated he's still some of the Giants on the practice squad but he ended up being getting elevated and eventually playing a lot more with them than he would have with the Ravens um given they had you know with, with Hamilton and Clark and Williams and Stone last year yeah he he really gave the Ravens an unbelievable special teams presence when they had that that special teams unit in the preseason had Stone running the group but should have been the indicator to me that it wasn't going to be Jefferson. Yeah. Jefferson and Kyle Hamilton. And that is an unbelievable amount of talent to put on your special teams unit in the preseason. Uh, just really looked uh, really looked great. But I, I'd love to have him back. I think the ideal situation for that would be if Queen were traded. Then I think you're looking to figure out your platoon at weak side linebacker. And maybe you figure it out such that it includes some sort of two down thumper and Jefferson as your dime back uh, on a, on an all season basis. And then you could still fit four safeties in that. If you've got um, Hamilton playing slot corner and you've got stone and, and uh, Williams on the back end, I think that's a, that is a very potent potential third down pass defense. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That um, I, I love that very much. I'm um, excited. You know, I, I just feel like you know, like as much as I do love you know Patrick Queen, um, I just I just don't see how you can fit him and and Roquan and some of those other guys under the cap two three years from now. So um, if they could get a guy like Tony Jefferson, depending on how long he wants to play, is it one of those reoccurring Batman guys? It, problem solved. Yeah, no, I'd be very excited about that. A uh, couple guys I want to stay away from uh, are injury guys. Dwayne Smoot is coming back from an Achilles injury. Mm-hmm. Do not see him being ready, but he's good enough that it might be exciting if they did the same thing that they did with Juwan James Juwan to James, bring yeah. him back. Yeah. You know, cause it could a two year deal kind of minimum money. Um, if they could figure out a way to pay him effectively nothing this year and then 3 million in 2024, I'd be kind of excited about that sort of a deal. Cause he's good. You know, he's good, but I just, I, I don't know if, I don't know if that's in the cards really for the Ravens to, to try that again. Um, the other guy's Chris Wormley coming off that knee surgery. I guess he suffered that against the Ravens, if I recall correctly, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think it was, yeah. So December surgery, I, I was looking out online. I couldn't find a, uh, you know, a uh, diagnosis in there. And apparently they have been keeping it secret. So um, I'm, not, I'm not sure what the plan is with, with him, but I, I think he's going to have trouble uh, really getting paid. Uh, coming off that, obviously, so we'll we'll see where that ends up. He probably probably keeping it hidden himself. Go eventually, he's going to work after work out for teams if he wants to get a 2023 contract. So uh, it probably just doesn't want to color it in advance of when he's ready to work yeah. out. And also, he wasn't he wasn't very uh, complimentary of the Ravens. Um, you know, after he got after he left, I think what I think like there was a whole article that Mark Mike Tomlin said. You know, a team tells you how, what they think about you if they trade you in within the division. And then when when they played the Ravens a few times, he said some some unflattering things about the Ravens. But um, you know, some other some other guys that you know I also stay away from. But also the Ravens can't afford guys like Leonard Floyd, Frank Clark, yes. and uh, Robert Robert Quinn, who's clearly over all three. All three of those absolutely on the list for for uh, dump those guys. Uh, Frank Clark, one of the really bad moves that Kansas City made during an era where they didn't make a whole lot of bad moves in the front office. They didn't make a whole lot of re- pay a lot of really overpriced guys. They generally were pretty frugal in a lot of ways, similar to the Ravens. But Frank Clark was the one guy they massively overpaid during his time at Kansas City. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. The guy was money in the in the postseason, but like. Weeks one through seventeen, you know, either he wasn't on the field or he wasn't this. He was kind of a shell of himself, and like, you know, I guess it's kind of cool that you know, I, I'm not cool, but like, it's it's nice to have a guy that can turn it on in the postseason. 
but dude, like you know, we're you know, we're 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 in the toughest conference in 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 the league, and you know, if we're gonna you know continually get that because getting the first seed for a team like the Chiefs is 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 uh, very paramount, and you know, if having a having an overpaying a pass rusher um, is uh you know a guy who only shows up really in January and February if you make it if you make it to February, um, only one team does now, so. Um, just like he was, he's just the guy that was said it was kind of overrated. Like you know, he had that ten sack season with 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 the Seahawks, and then people kind of just like took that, and I don't know, it just kind of blew it out of proportion for me. All right, well, great stuff. Anybody else we didn't talk about that you want to mention now? Because I think we're in a, we're in alignment on a lot of these. Although there's a few players, it's interesting that I think might be affordable, and you think probably are not, like Murphy Bunting, say. Uh, I love Murphy Bunting. I just like I said, like even though he's he was kind of in the doghouse at times, his last two years in, in in Tampa, it was just like like what he showed during his extensive playing time. And I feel like some team might be enticed enough to, I wouldn't say pony up, but pay more than what the Ravens are willing to pay. Fair enough. Well, fair enough, Josh. Always a pleasure to talk football with you of any sort, and I'm sure we'll talk a lot more this off season because you're one of our regulars, obviously. And uh, tell folks where they can find your work online. Yeah, so you can find all my Ravens stuff at uh, Heavy on Ravens uh, with uh, with Heavy Sports. That's where all my Ravens content is. Um, don't expect a whole lot of free agency buzz coming uh, coming out uh, the next 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 few days. You know, I'll have my I'll have my um, you know realistic free agent um, art, uh, articles coming out uh, tomorrow. But outside of that, man, I, I expect to not be very busy. I'll be digging a lot more into draft stuff than uh, doing free agency stuff these next couple of weeks, just because I don't think the Ravens are going to be too busy. All right. Well, sounds good, Josh. And we look forward to, to talking to you about the draft, about some position, which we haven't determined yet, but looking forward to that. Other folks out there, if you'd like to do a that one play, hit me up with a DM on Twitter. Uh, I, they're always open. And we still got a lot of plays from Ravens history that haven't been done, even though we've done almost 50 shows now. So uh, please uh, hit me up and I'll, I'll get back to you right away. Uh, I'm at Film Study Ravens, just in case you, you, you don't know. And uh, love to hear from you. Josh, thanks again for coming on. Thanks for having me, Ken. We'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Time inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.